Hey everybody, he's Gordon Bay. he's Charlie Conway, I'm Greg, no wait that ain't it, he's Fulton, she's Connie, he's Dave, no that ain't it either, this isn't the Mighty Ducks, this is the Mighty Vikings report with Drew and Ted, and as you can tell we got a special guest this evening, Drewster how are you? I'm doing great Ted, I'm ready to talk some football, you didn't tell me we are having Greg Ullman on the show, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Christy Brinkley. Look at that! Look at that Fabio look, yeah, ladies man. and gentlemen. If you don't know, that is the one, the only, the Tyler Fornis. He's joining us this evening. He's got his own YouTube network out, the First and School Network. He is the managing editor of Vikings Wire, the USA Today site that deals with nothing but Minnesota Vikings. Some great writers and, and contributors over there. And Tyler's kind of the dude in charge of those. He's also a contributor for Score North. And he also has a wrestling podcast, the Good, the Bad, and Hungi podcast. Folks, basically, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting something Tyler Fornis is doing on this day and age. Tyler, brother, how are you? I'm here with a couple cake eaters. On behalf of the Ducks, I'd like to say welcome, cake eaters. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to talk some football. Cake eaters. Dude, I'm from Richfield. I'm from Richfield. I'm not from Edina. Ted, you left out. He's a speed skater. A firefighter, and he's going to the moon next month. You could have been one of the greats. And now look at yourself. Yeah, and he has his own line of hair care products coming out right <laughs> after the draft. Lord, I mean, just come on, just just one time. He was born a random <laughs> man. Tyler, how you doing, brother? Good to have you back on again. Uh, I'm excited to be here, and I loved the Greg Allman reference from earlier because growing up, my favorite song was Ramblin' Man by the Allman Brothers. Mine too! Really? Yes. Yeah. So my dad used to run a grass cutting business. And on Saturdays, we'd go to the shop. We, we'd hang out for like, I don't know, a half hour. Then we, we'd take a truck home and then we'd cut the grass. You know, that was kind of the perks of owning it. You could just take the equipment. So the one CD that was always in my dad's vehicle was Allman Brothers Greatest Hits. Oh. And yeah, that was that became my song. Kind of goes hand in hand because Greg Allman used to cut a lot of grass himself. different kind of grass though tremendous tremendous band yeah so look we got a lot going on ruby's in the background making all this happen and before we get going we're going to talk about a couple of places near and dear to our heart purple pain forums and vikingsreport.com before we get going we want to tell you about a website that we are affiliated with it's called purple pain forums purplepainforums.com. It's a great message board full of smart, intelligent, funny Vikings fans, specifically Vikings focused, but there's plenty of off topic subjects to talk about the college football, the NFL draft, even stuff that has nothing to do with sports. If you're into that, we are the official podcast and, and YouTube program for Purple Pain Forums. They are our official website slash message board. Funky Town and Dan Chat do a great job of moderating that board and keeping the topics lively and moving and everything else. Great place to go talk Vikings football. Check it out when you get a chance. The other place I want to talk to you about is our little humble corner of the internet, vikingsreport.com. On vikingsreport.com, you get all our social media contacts for both Twitter and Facebook. None of us are on Instagram. None of us are on TikTok because that's a commie spy program. Over on VikingsReport.com, you can check out our prize vault. We've also got merchandise from Zazzle.com. You can get a mug. You can get a travel mug. You can get a beer stein. So go over there when you get a chance to check those two websites out. All right. 
Purple Pain Forums, VikingsReport.com. So, look, Tyler, the reason we're having you on tonight is um, a, a couple things. We're going to cover the cornerbacks and safeties in a minute, the last position category for our positional analysis. But we also want to talk to you about the draft. I know you've been doing a lot of stuff for the draft. You've done, uh, what, what are you up to now, 45, 46 mock drafts, seven-round mocks? <laughs> I've done five, like, full first and second-round mock drafts. And I've done – I'll have – one going up for zone coverage tomorrow, and then I'll have one more going up for Vikings wire at least. I think I'll end up doing like 13 seven-round Vikings mock drafts. Lord, man. I, I don't think I've done 13 in my life. Here's the reason why I do so many. It's good to explore scenarios because, oh – if X guy is available, will you take him? So then what happens? And you can identify players later on in the draft that you want to target because you went a certain position early. And then you can kind of evolve from there. I like to use it as scenarios. And you know what? NFL teams do it too. They run through scenarios to see, hey, if this happens, how are we going to react? So then you're not caught flat-footed. I like to do it so then I can try and prognosticate and I can try and have a better understanding of what's going to happen draft day. And then I can share that with my readers because let's be honest. A mock draft in January doesn't mean shit, but what it does show you is, oh, if this guy's going at 15 in January, but now he's going at 40 in April, well, what happened? And then you can try and pinpoint, well, here's what we learned along the way and trying to understand some of the process with these guys and their either rise or fall on the draft boards. And a lot of it just has to do with gathering information. There's value in mocking drafts or doing mock drafts. If you don't follow college football really closely, if you're not much outside of the Big Ten or you only watch a few teams, it, it helps you learn about players and, and figure out if you like them, if you think they'd be a good fit. Let me ask you this. Last couple of weeks leading up to the draft, you see things like, well, this guy's rising on draft board. Uh, this guy's falling on draft boards. When I see that phrase draft board, I tend to think it's rising or falling on guys like you that write about it. I would think NFL teams, for the most part, other than you know some late breaking news coming out about an injury or uh, personality, you know, like the thing that happened with Jalen Carter over the combine. Is it fair to say that teams pretty much have their draft boards fairly well set at this point, or is there still a lot of moving and shaking going on at the top or middle or bottom? Yes and no. And I'll say this: here's what teams do: they spend so much time gathering information on these players. They talk to them. They have visits. They go to the Combine, they go to Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, other All-Star games, and then they go to Pro Days. So they're gathering all this information, and then they pair it with the tape and all the advanced data that's available to them, both PFF and then their own data that they collect. One of the questions, I had a chance to speak with Rick Spielman in a media call, and they had they gathered their own analytical data that was outside of a lot of the public-facing stuff. And one of the things they, they did was they had like this, it was almost like a maturity test for wide receivers and they found that players that scored a lot higher ended up becoming better players. I believe it was maturity and there's a chance I'm slightly off, but it was something along those lines. So you're trying to gather all that. And then they spend the last couple of weeks with mostly finalized information, officially stacking their board and having conversations about X versus Y and trying to determine, Hey, if both like, let's say Zay flowers and Jordan Addison are available or 23 and we're taking one of them, they're having those conversations right now to try and decipher. So once they get on the clock, outside of uh, somebody getting on the table and just pounding it for one guy, they're ready to go. And there's a chance that not everything's officially stacked in the Vikings board right now. 
but they have a good sense of what they're doing. It's basically dotting I's and crossing T's at this point. Down to one player, Ted, can really make a difference when you look at Rieger and Justin yeah. Jefferson. They were right next to each other, and Philly picked the wrong guy. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. It, it all matters. I don't understand a maturity test getting Holton Hill, though. They specifically <laughs> found it for wide receivers. Holton Hill was uh, – the dude loved to smoke weed. Really? Yeah. Greg Allman. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be non-existent in 10 years. Like Nobody's going to care about weed. The NBA doesn't care about weed anymore. Well, they don't care about good play either, but that's neither here nor there. Oh! Hey, Drew, let me ask you. I know you're kind of a, an amateur scout, whatever, and you do these really great draft boards every year. Does your opinion change? And Tyler, you can answer this question too when Drew's done. When you go into looking at a position group, you probably have preconceived notions about a lot of guys. When you start watching film, does the opinion change so much that you say, this guy I thought was great and he now stinks, is undraftable, or vice versa? It depends on how, how you watch the tape, because a lot of tape is all good tape. So I remember watching, I think it was Tyler Huntley, the quarterback. I can't remember where he played. Utah. Utah. And if you watch his tape, they're, they're having these fantastic runs that he's making. He's getting out of the pocket, and he's running, and he's running, and he's getting all these yards on the ground. And then when I rewind it and watch it, those same plays, there's open receivers down the field. So that makes me think, oh, I'm not so much impressed with his running. I'm wondering why he's not throwing it downfield. So there's a lot of different kinds of tape you can look at to really evaluate. I mean, I know the Big Ten, mostly because I'm a Michigan fan. And that will do it. The final score from Columbus, 45 to 23. Yeah, sometimes my opinion will change from February to, you know, when I come out with the linebackers or something, but there's a lot that goes into it. Tyler, what about you? Absolutely, my opinion could change once I put on the tape. But to the point of so much like thinking he's really good to not even wanting anything to do with this guy or vice versa? I don't know necessarily know quite to that extreme, but I'll say this. College production does not mean NFL success. And kind of kind of to build off of what Drew was saying, just because they were good in college, why were they good in college? You have to contextualize the why. And I talk about this all the time. You have people that throw out stats like, oh, Kirk had more passing yards and completion percentage in X, Y, and Z than almost every quarterback. Well, well, why? Why were his numbers so great? And that's uh, honestly a lot of the debate we've had in the last five years about Kirk Cousins. It's all about the why. Why? 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 <laughs> it is not about necessarily the stats themselves, okay? And you see that all the time with college players. Like, there were college players that, like, Jamar Chase had dominant stats. I had questions about him translating to the NFL because of how he played. I ended up being wrong, and I'm okay with that because I went with, hey, I have questions. Well, he just went and answered them. Like, but there are players like Colt Brennan from Hawaii up all-time numbers <laughs> remember, the, a, remember that guy did. yeah yeah dominant that dude was dominant and i'll go back and there are some games on youtube and i'll just watch because i'm obsessed with the run and shoot offense i just can't get enough watching that style of football but it doesn't translate to the national football league and that's why he ended up going around six and he washed out of the league very quickly and unfortunately he ended up passing away a, a year year and a half ago but the why behind their success 
is so important. And Michael Lombardi ended up tweeting something stupid today comparing Davis Mills and Justin Fields. It's like, well, they have the same record. And Davis Mills' stats, why? Ask yourself the question. And you know what? I'm not an elitist. I am not better than anybody. I'm not worse than anybody. But you have to watch the tape to contextualize the why with the performances. If you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're not getting the full picture. It's why sometimes analytics guys, they say, oh, this, this, or this. I'm like, but you haven't watched the games. You haven't watched the film. Like the the advanced stats can only tell you so much. And if you're a film guy and you're not trying to contextualize with the analytical data, you're doing yourself a disservice there too. You have to combine the whole picture. And that's why sometimes when I'm watching a guy, like Spencer Rattler going into 2021, he looked like he was going to be a first round pick last year. Ended up having an absolute shit season for Oklahoma, and now he's trying to rebuild his draft stock. I want to get your thoughts. Jalen Carter, presumptive number one pick or top two pick, you know, in early, right after this college football season ended and and we really started getting into the draft. He's kind of dropped a little bit. You know, we we talked about his incidents, the car accident, car racing thing, the bad pro day. Real quick, Tyler, do you think he drops out of the top ten or is he still going to go in the top ten? I don't think there's any chance he drops out of the top 10 unless something worse comes out in the next 10 days. I really okay. don't. This dude is number one on my board. He is, in my opinion, the best overall player in this draft. And if I didn't need a quarterback at one, I'd take him there. But here's the thing. We only know so much about these so-called character concerns and the arrest X, Y, and Z. We don't know everything. We can only go by what's public facing and the data that we know. We can't extrapolate from there. Because we genuinely don't know. People were victory lapping Todd McShay because he said, oh, this guy's got character concerns a month before he ended up doing the street racing. Like, come on. When you make blanket accusations like that, you like, you better have something in your pocket. And it, to me, it doesn't feel like McShay had anything. And like, I can only go by what I know. For all I know, Jalen Carter is like the nicest human being of all time, but he's just a quiet person and he just likes to kind of keep to himself. And you know what? If he doesn't want to go out to the club with his teammates and they label him as bad, I don't give a shit. I'm fine with that. You just like to be more of in isolation. There's nothing wrong with that. I feel like Harrison Smith is one of those guys too because he's not public facing. He is kind of keeps to himself. That's fine. There are different leadership styles. That's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And I think people need to kind of just chill out and stop extrapolating. Just go off what you know. And here's what I know. He's phenomenal on film. Drew, do you think he drops out of the top 10? No, because of his talent. If he was a, th- a three or four round guy, he would probably drop pretty far over it. But he's better than last year's overall first round pick. I think that other guy that was at Georgia, I think he's a better player than him. So he won't drop very far because he's okay. so talented. As long as he doesn't go to the Bears or the Lions, I don't care. I think the Lions are going to snag him. I hope not. All righty. So I got a fill-in-the-blank sentence. I want you guys to both answer this this sentence, and then we're going to move on to our positional analysis stuff. Tyler, the Minnesota Vikings must blank above everything else in the upcoming draft. This feels like match game. Brett Summers, Charles Nelson Riley. With Gene Rayburn. The Minnesota Vikings must blank above everything else in the upcoming draft. So which one of you is Charles Nelson Riley, and which one of you is Brett Summers? (laughs) I'll be Richard Dawson. Listen, 
I grew up watching Match Game. I probably seen every episode because they used to have it on a game show network like four times a day. But I'll say this. The Vikings need to identify their quarterback of the future. I'll contextualize it here. If they believe it's Kirk Cousins and they just re-sign him to a contract this summer, so be it. I think it's a mistake, but they've identified it and that's the path they're going down. They've chosen a road. Okay, They need to choose a road. And here's the thing. You can take a guy in round four or five and choose that road. And if you be like, you know what? It doesn't work out. Go get a guy next year. I think that if they're, if a CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson falls to five, they need to be doing everything they can to get up and go get that guy. I am sold on Stroud. I am sold on Richardson. I have questions about Bryce Young, but he's going number one overall, so it doesn't matter. And Will Levis is just a grab bag of who the hell knows. But there's a lot of talent there. And I'm 100% out on Hendon Hooker anywhere before pick 87. Just a big fat no. But they need to identify what their plan is and how they're going to approach that position and how they're going to continue to build this team. You know Quasi Dopamensa wants to get that excess value out of the quarterback position. If they end up getting a star at the fifth overall pick and they're paying him $8 million average annual value a year, well, you can get surplus value potentially of like $40 million in year three, four, and five. That's a huge deal. When it comes to trying to build a Super Bowl contender, it's not the only way to build one, but it sure as hell makes it a lot easier. You have 100 Vikings report Drew and Ted dollars, redeemable anywhere and any Monopoly game worldwide. This is a shroot buck. When you have done something good, you will receive one shroot buck. Will the Minnesota Vikings, Tyler, to you, will they draft a quarterback? You said they have to identify their quarterback of the future. Do you think that will be by drafting a quarterback in this draft yes or no i put 90 bucks on it absolutely i've heard that they like like they've spent a lot of time with dorian thompson robinson they spent a lot of time with jaron hall they've got the book on hendon hooker i know that they've done a lot of work on these other quarterbacks and you can talk about oh did they go to their pro day like that doesn't necessarily mean anything especially when you're trading up you want to give less clues about who you might like because then it can impact a lot of different factors especially trade value so I think that the Vikings are going to take a guy. I put at least 90 bucks of those 100 you gave me on it. All righty. Drew, the Minnesota Vikings must blank above everything else in the upcoming draft. Oh, my answer is not quite as long as that. I'd say get your pick into the podium in time. What it essentially wound up being was like they went from the seventh pick to the ninth pick without getting anything in return. In real time, the Jaguars, the Panthers, the Vikings, and then the Ravens made all four picks within four minutes. <laughs> that seems to have been a problem in the past. Thank God Mike Tice isn't here anymore. Vikings need to do, especially with the quarterback, they cannot panic in the draft like Spielman did. He was a panic king. With the 12th pick in the 2011 NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Christian Ponder, quarterback, Florida State. Taking Levis is a panic move because the other three are gone. You got to get one because everybody else has one. You got to just do best player available and kind of mix that into your positional needs. See what you got there and uh, stick to your plan and don't panic. A lot of teams make mistakes because they start panicking. But I do think they're taking a quarterback later, like mid-rounds to late. Okay. Tyler, going back to, the, you know, about not wanting to identify players you like. Back when I was writing for Daily Norse, when I got to cover the 2012 draft, the year they drafted Matt Khalil and Harrison Smith, both in the first round. 
And if you remember the year before that, the Vikings coaching staff had been down at the, I believe it was the senior bowl in Mobile as the staff for that week. And I, I got to ask Leslie Frazier, Hey, did going down to the senior bowl help you guys at all? And identifying, you know, players you thought were good and kind of maybe changed your mind after he's like, Oh yeah. And he said, and, and it also did the exact opposite effect too. We didn't really know a whole lot about Harrison Smith until after that week. And then when we we came away from that week, we said, we got to get Harrison Smith. And we didn't want anybody to know it. We didn't have him in for a visit. We didn't really talk to him. He didn't even know that we were interested in, in him until we traded up and got back into the first round. I think they made that trade with the Ravens, I think it was. Yep, they went from 35 to 29. Yeah, yeah, and got Harrison Smith. So, yeah, that definitely uh, that's definitely a big, big thing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And so with that then... I think what we'll do, we're not going to do trivia tonight, so I think we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have my grandson, Gabriel, introduce our positional analysis, and we'll go from there. So hold tight. Don't go anywhere. The Fantastic Almonds from KTEL. Original Almond. Dwayne and Greg with all the drive and desire that made them successful. Their soul pours out, and it's all here on this premiere LP, an album that really cooks. Every groove original, recorded in a funky little studio they called home. Dwayne played guitar, and Greg gets it all together on rhythm and organ. Shares vocals with Scott Boyer. Butch Trucks on drums and David Brown's bass make this Allman album fantastic. The Fantastic Almonds. Original Almond from KTEL. Stereo LP, $4.99. 8-track tape, $6.99. An album that really cooks. Tropical breeze. Fabio, Fiji product Old Spice. Exciting victory. Always Fabio. All right. So we are back. We're going to wrap up our positional analysis segment this week. We're going to do both corners and safeties. Gabriel, buddy, go ahead and introduce this segment. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Vikings Report with Drew and my papa. Positional analysis. Hit it, papa. All right. Tyler, what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about cornerbacks? You want to talk about safeties? I'm fine with either. I'll let Drew pick. Drew? Let's talk about corners. All right. So we're going to talk corners. So just a few days ago, earlier this week, the Minnesota Vikings signed cornerback Joan Williams. Been with the Patriots. Was 2019 second-round pick out of Vanderbilt. Missed all of last year with a shoulder injury. With that, that gives the Vikings on the current roster, Kalon Barnes, Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans, Tony Gowan, and then the free agent acquisitions, Byron Murphy and the aforementioned Joan Williams. Tyler, hey, do you think the Vikings need a cornerback in this upcoming draft? And did Joan Williams signing change your mind about maybe needing one or not? I've never thought the Vikings really need to get a cornerback. So one of the things with corner is, unless you're taking one really high, you're not expecting that guy to contribute your one. Cornerback is an extremely hard position to learn and translate to the, the next level. And it, you don't want to rely on a rookie in that spot. It's a weakling system. So you want to just make sure that you have a good player. They don't have to be a great player. Just make sure you have a good one in that spot. 
And getting a Joe Juan Williams is really big because you add depth. There is talent there. The dude is a legit like six three and a half with arms that, that are just vines. Like you're adding players who are capable. And right now that's what you need in that defensive back room. But if you ended up taking a guy in round one, I'd be fine with that because you're adding more talent. But you don't have to have elite players. You just have to make sure you don't have anybody that stinks. They just all have to be capable. So right now, if you roll out Byron Murphy at Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr., assuming they all stay healthy, I'm pretty happy with that because okay. you have potential, you have capable, nobody's a disaster, and you can continue to grow and build off of that. Like, we don't need a Joey Porter Jr. Well, I'd love a Joey Porter Jr., but you have other needs where you can focus on that, and then you can get your another developmental guy in round three who could essentially be a starter for you next year because of how deep this cornerback class is. Don't force it. Just take the guy that's really good on your board. All right, Drew, what do you think? You think the signing of Joe Juan Williams negated the need for the Vikings to draft a cornerback if you thought they needed to draft a cornerback in this draft? I think he's a lot like Byron Murphy, two really good college players. I think they're both second-round picks. But neither of these guys have lived up to their stardom potential. And like Davenport, same deal with I got him for. I'd seem like he would have been a better player. He's not a scrub, but all three of those signings are guys with high ceilings that can shred. And I think he's doing that with these players. That, that's what it feels like to me. Guys that have played better in the past than they have up till now. Okay. I'm kind of with, with you guys. I never really thought corner was a need. I, last year when they went out and they got Booth and a Caleb Evans, they also drafted Lewis Seen, safety in the first round. I, I think they wanted to address or they addressed most of their very pressing secondary issues last year. If they do get a guy, I think you said, Tyler, it's a very deep class at the corner position. They might get a guy in the later rounds. They don't have a whole lot of draft picks right now. A lot of people have mocked corner at Joey Porter Jr. is a guy that a lot of people have mocked to the Vikings in the past. I don't see it. I just, I just never did. I just never jumped on that train. But with that said, Drew, let's go ahead and put up your big board for corners. We've got Devin Witherspoon at the top out of Illinois. We talked Joey Porter Jr. He's third. You got Christian Gonzalez second. Going all the way down, filling the list out with Clark Phillips the third out of Utah and Makai Blackman out of USC. Tyler, what do you think of Drew's big board there? You like it? Anything you uh, violently disagree with? I think you're way too low on Clark Phillips. I understand the athleticism concerns. But the dude just balled out on the outside at Utah. He shut down Jordan Addison the two times that they ended up playing this year. And quite frankly, like, I, I can understand, like, oh, I'll prioritize a guy that's a little more athletic. That's fine. But I think, yeah, I think he's just too low in a general sense. I have a high second-round grade on him because of – I actually knocked him down from a first to a second because of the athleticism. But at the same time, the dude is a straight baller. He kicks you in the face and is and will stand over your dead body and just just talk shit to you. Like this is a guy that I want in my cornerback room. T I think Tyler, I think it's a Tyler, little too low. Tyler, that will be a taunting penalty in the NFL. That would be a. I could see why Drew would knock him down to a fourth round grade for that. I don't care if it's a taunting <laughs> penalty. Talk your shit. Talk it like that. I I want that kind no, of stuff. You know what? It probably is a little bit low on Phillips. Why'd you knock him down? Because he has the, uh, the third at the end of his name. I don't like people <laughs> have that at the end of their name. That's fair. I think that's a fair reason. Wait, yeah. hold on. You have Cam Smith at 12? Oh, yeah. buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, we're, we're going to fight. No, wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm going to say Malik Willis before you start. I don't care. <laughs> uh, like, Mal Malik Willis is completely separate from this conversation. I do like 
Cam Smith, but it seems like he's falling a little bit. A fourth round grade on him, though? He's got a first from me. Before you guys go any farther, then, okay. Do you both agree on Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, and Joey, Joey Porter being clear cut first round guys? Yes. And so then, Tyler, your fifth first round corner would be Cam Smith. And I have a sixth, too. Okay, who's that? Kansas State's Julius Brents. Yeah, I love Brents. Six, three and a half, 210, 34-inch arms. He can play zone, but he can also play man, and he's physical and pressed. He needs to get a little better with it, that technique, but that versatility, that 9.99 relative athletic score, and you get him in this corner room, and you just let him do a lot of different things. Like, I, I love his potential. Like, if the Legion of Boom was still around, Julius Brents would go at pick five. Right. Let me ask you a coaching standpoint question before we continue to get into the corners. Now, Mike Zimmer wanted tackling corners, aggressive corners, guys who could tackle. And then it went to Donatel. I don't think Donatel wanted his corners to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe line up too far up the line of scrimmage. I don't. Next Donatel out of there. What is Brian Flores' strategy compared to Zimmer or anybody? Else? What does he like to do with his cornerback group? Physical. Play press man. Be able to man up a guy one-on-one without help because he's going to be very aggressive in blitz. He does want his corners to tackle. But here's the thing about tackling corners. Tackling is mainly about effort. If the cornerback gives effort in tackling, somebody else is going to clean up his mistakes, which is why like a guy like Christian Gonzalez, who I have as CB1, I don't care that he's not the best tackler. He gives effort. And because he gives effort, that's going to slow down guys on the outside and allow a Brian Asamoah to clean things up. If you give effort and try, I can look past a guy who's not necessarily the best tackling corner because that's going to do so much more for your defense. I care more about can you cover down the field? Can you prevent big plays? Because corner is about losing the least. It's not about winning. It's, a, it's kind of the same thing with offensive line. You're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to lose. How often are you going to lose? That's the real question. And if you can prevent those losses more often than not, you're putting yourself in a really good position to win. And, like, I don't care that Cam Smith's not a great tackler. He's He gives effort. He's fine. I love his, his uh, boy Darius Rush on the other side. Like, I like him more than Cam Smith, but I think Cam Smith's a better player. But if you were to tell me in five years that Darius Rush is a pro bowler and Cam Smith is just fine, I, I'd believe you. Darius Rush loses in the rep early. But he has the athleticism with the great lateral quickness, 4-3-6-40 speed, and great football intelligence to just cut routes off and attack the football. Like, that sounds like a great developmental corner for Brian Flores to me. Overall, like, I, I don't have too big of an issue with your list as a whole, Drew. I think you're way too high on Keely Ringo in comparison to the rest of the class. I have a low second on him. I think he's my cornerback nine. Real quick, but I've seen Keely Ringo's name a lot in mock drafts early late first, early second. What's the disparity between where he's going and what you see in him then, Tyler? Here's the big thing. Keely Ringo was one of the highest ranked recruits ever. I think he was the 17th ranked recruit in the history of 24-7 sports. This dude is a freak. You can obviously tell he ran really fast. He's a sprinter, but he's very upright. He's very stiff, does not have fluid hips. That's what she said. Doesn't have oily hips, Ted. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Cannot explode off, like, out of his stance in order to like hit comeback routes. So you could just run straight at him, get him to turn his hips up field and then stop on a dime and run a comeback. And you're going to have five yards of separation. This dude can't do those things. Like if this was 2004 and he was drafted at a Tony Dungy defense, 
playing cover two. This is the ideal corner, but we're not in that world anymore. And I have real concerns. He can ever develop the ability to truly play man coverage in the NFL because of those hips and because of his just lack of like fluid athleticism. Okay. First thing I liked about this guy was his instincts and his size and his speed. He just looks like a guy that's going to be around the ball a lot. But if you have my number five and your number nine, they're both going in the second round. I think five to six corners are going in round one. Well, that means Ringo's going to be a second rounder. You see him falling out of the second round? I don't know if Ringo falls out of the first. Well, then I don't have him too high. I think he's too high compared to the rest of the group based on his skills, if that makes sense. Like, there's talent to work with, but like somebody's going to look at him and be like, I can fix him. Because coaches are that level of arrogant and they have that belief in themselves that they can fix any talented football player. And I think Ringo could end up going as high as like 20. He could also fall to like 70. I don't think anywhere in that range would really surprise me. I wouldn't touch him till round three just because I have those massive concerns. And I really don't think he's going to get those hips oily enough to be able to thrive in a system like this. <laughs> he needs he needs to be in his own system. He needs to be okay. able to play a drop cover three, maybe a Vic Fangio cover four. And Flores doesn't do a whole lot of his own stuff. He does a lot of press man man coverage type stuff. So yeah, he does I, man I do match, which is like it's a style of zone defense. But the but uh, the parameters and rules that you work with are a little different. You're playing man coverage in a space. You're not guarding a space. So once like on crossing routes, if you're covering a guy up to a certain point, and then another guy takes over, but you're still playing man coverage. It's kind of what makes it unique and gives it a different feel and why quarterbacks can struggle with it. It can also be why uh, that you just get picked apart because if you're not playing within those confines and within that structure, then things can just go awry and go can be completely chaotic. Now, I Drew, we've talked in the past, and I don't think you think the Vikings are going to take a cornerback with their first pick, even if they do trade down, do you? First off, they need to trade down. Right. Secondly... You know, I want to take one of those top three. It would have to be the top three, but listening to what Tyler said about, you know, wait until the mid round and still getting a guy that's going to develop in a year. If the guy, if the first rounder isn't going to play the first year, kind of makes me think maybe they shouldn't. But if they took any of those first three guys, which they're not going to get, they should be off the board. I wouldn't go much further than that. That, that gets into reaching ponder area when you start. Okay. That's a panic move. I just want to hear real quick. Tyler's breakdown of my boy, DJ Turner. I'll be honest, I have not watched a ton of DJ Turner. He's one of the guys that's kind of fallen through the cracks for me. I've done full write-ups on 65 guys so far. I've done 12 cornerbacks, but Turner is not one I've spent a lot of time on. I do like the aggressiveness. I do like that makeup speed he has, obviously running the 4-2-6-40. I wonder if he's going to be best in the slot. And to me, that would kind of just knock him down a little bit as far as where I'd be willing to take him. I can't speak with a lot of conviction because I haven't, I haven't been able to dive into the tape and really understand a lot of those nuances with Turner, but I think there's a lot of talent to work with. Drew, Drew, that's that's Tyler's polite way of saying he thinks he sucks. Yeah, he, he hates plays Michigan. For Michigan. Hey, listen, listen. <laughs> like Greg, Greg Allman hated disco. If I think a guy stinks, I'm gonna have no problem saying it. Like I, I just I don't have enough context with Turner with the All 22 yet. Corners, somebody told me this once. I think it was my friend Nubs, who only has three fingers on his left hand. Um, hence the name Nubs. He told me if a guy's really fast, a corner's really fast, he's got a chance to stay in the league longer than the guys who don't have that top-end speed because they can make up for their mistakes. 
That's what he did at Michigan. Sometimes he was out of position, but he was so fast, he would make up enough time to defend the ball. Michigan used him all over the field, very versatile in coverage, and he's a really strong player. He's a good tackler, but he's not a shutdown corner by any means. I mean, but he is fast, so. There's the levels, too. Like, is he long speed fast? Is he quick fast? Like, there, I think Turner's both. But those are the questions you have to ask yourself because I don't care if a guy runs a 4 or five, 5 If he's got a 90th percentile 10-yard split and then as he's staying in phase and he has to explode out of a break to handle like a comeback or a dig route, like I'm right. more concerned about that quickness rather than I am long speed because more often than not, you're not going to be in a position where you have to cover a guy and press man down the field with no safety help. We don't do split times, me and Ted. That's up for you. That's for you professionals. We, don't, we just kind of go with the flow here. So if we're all in agreement, the Vikings are not going to take a cornerback in the first or second round if they make some trades, third round. Let's go back like day day three then. Is there a day three guy, Tyler, whether it's on Drew's list or not, is there a day three guy that if the Vikings were to pick, you'd be pretty elated about? I will continue to pound the table for South Carolina's Darius Rush. Okay. I mentioned him earlier. He's a bigger guy, ran a 4-3-6 at the Combine. He really impressed me at the Senior Bowl. I went in not really knowing anything about Darius Rush, and he did exactly what I said. He got beat off the line of scrimmage, and he lost his balance, got back up, used his quickness and football smarts to know what the receiver was doing, undercut the route, and got an interception. And here's the thing. If you can fix early in the rep where he's not losing as quickly and he can just stay with the receiver, maintain phase, the things that you can be able to do later on, considering how you're losing, like at the beginning of the rep, like to me, that tells me that you have a ceiling that's sky high. And if I can untap that with a fourth round pick, that sounds pretty damn great to me. I like Kai Blue Kelly from Stanford. I think he's going to be better in a man cover system. He's six one, about 190. If you remember those uh, Buccaneer Super Bowl teams, Brian Kelly, that's his dad. So he's got cornerback lineage. 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers cornerback back Ryan in the day. Kelly. Yeah, with Derek, Derek Brooks and Brad Johnson on that team. His dad's got a Super Bowl ring as a corner. I think that's a guy that I would uh, pound the table for. One that really intrigues me, and I think he deserves to be talked about, Trey Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. 5'7 and a quarter, a buck 75. But if this dude was 6'1, 195 pounds, you'd be talking about him as a top five player because of how he plays football. 36 right. passes defended at TCU, but you see on film, his size makes a huge impact. Because when he's dropping in cover two and he tries to attack the football, they can just layer it over him because he's so small, it does not have any form of wingspan. And size doesn't always matter. <laughs> Sorry, we're professionally 12, Tyler. You're just going to have to put up with that. Oh, I'm well aware. <laughs> is, is, is the height thing going to hurt him in the draft? Yeah. Like to the point from... Drew has him as a fourth-round guy. Do you think he could go that high, or do you see him even dropping farther than that because, because he's only 5'7"? I'd say once you get past the top 75, all bets are off. If this dude had any form of height or wingspan, you'd be talking about him as a much, much higher pick because he plays really well, but those limitations are going to crush him just because you can't teach length, you can't teach height. How many elite corners in the history of football have been 5'7 or less? Daryl Green was pretty short, wasn't he? Daryl Green was, I think, 5'9", but he also was a track star. All right, so I asked Tyler that. Drew, we get to day three. You got some guys. He, he mentioned Trey Hodges Tomlinson, number 11 on your board. Is there a, a day three guy that you think 
the Vikings might be interested in. Yeah, I had Cam Smith, but I apparently I got him out of place. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Brents. I like Brents, man. Okay. Some guys don't look lost at all. They look really confident when they play. He looks confident to me. And I would probably go that route if he's there three or four. I mean, the Vikings need a corner. They need another corner, but okay. maybe not at 23, but they're going to get one. They're going to get one in this draft. So my question is kind of, Ted, is the cornerback group big enough where you can wait even longer and get a good guy in the fifth round? Is that something worth thinking about, Tyler? Is the cornerback, is the talent in the cornerback class this year deep enough that, that the Vikings can wait? Uh, I mean, obviously you're not going to get a Devin Witherspoon or a Gonzalez or Joey Porter, you know, in the fourth or fifth round, but, but overall, can they find a guy with that kind of potential that far back? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you're, you're not going to find your CB1 no. in round four, but you could find your complimentary guy. Like, let's say Andrew Booth Jr. takes that step and he becomes your CB1, or okay. Byron Murphy is your CB1. I think you can find a CB2 in this class in okay. round three, four, or maybe even round five, depending on how kind of the board shakes up. There's a lot of really talented corners. Like, Tyreek Stevenson is a third rounder for you, Drew. I could see him going in round four, like, or round five, just because of the sheer depth in this class. One thing I like to relate this class to, 2014 wide receiver class, Stephon Diggs, ultra-talented. Vikings got him at pick 146 because yeah. of uh, that he had some soft tissue injuries, and then the depth of the receiver class is just absurd. This cornerback class is going to be somewhat like that. There's going to be a later-round guy who just flourishes because he's given an opportunity to, and it, he ends up being a later-round pick just because of the depth. Sometimes, even though the guy is like a, a third-round talent doesn't mean he gets to go in round three. He could go in round five or six just because I don't want to take another corner or I don't need a corner. And then that's when you get like the late round, like steals per se, just because there's just too many guys. All right. So that does it for the corners. We'll move on to the safety position. If we put Drew's big board up there, we see uh, Brian Branch out of Alabama as his number one guy. A couple other guys at the top, Antonio Johnson, Sidney Brown. Even got an Ohio State guy. He finally put an Ohio State guy on his list with uh, Ronnie Hickman way down at number 10 and then rounding it up with Jay Ward and Brandon Hill out of LSU and Pittsburgh. I'm not so big on safeties. I don't think the Vikings need one. They got Lewis Seen at the end of the first round last year. But if you were to tell me the Vikings were going to go ahead and draft Brian Branch, like if they were to trade down and have – a couple second round picks and Brian Branch was one of them. I would not be upset at all. Tyler, I don't know about you. Love Brian Branch. He made the all four no team this year. Eight guys made the squad and Branch was one of those eight. I love what he's able to do. I think this is a Brian Flores player. And if Flores is going to pound the table for anybody, I think it's going to be Branch comes from Alabama already knows this defense. And obviously, you know, the Nick Saban to Bill Belichick pipeline. Well, Brian Flores is from the same tree. Would not be shocked. And Branch can play in the slot. He can play in the box. He can play over the top. And versatility is so big with what Flores wants to do on defense that a guy like Branch could make a really big impact. Now, all of a sudden, you get Branch doing all these multiple things. You can get Lewis Seen doing multiple things. Harrison Smith being that riverboat gambler at the line of scrimmage. And you know what? Branch can play on the outside of corner if you need him to in a pinch. This is an ultra-talented player who is going to go later than he should. He's a top 10 grade on my board. This dude is just absolutely bonkers good. Drew, every year, well, maybe not every year, but there's almost every year, there's a position group that seems 
thinner at talent and depth than others. And there's like one guy that stands out more than anybody else. And to me, it would be Brian Branch this year with safeties. I mean, he just seems to be that much better than the bulk of the, the safeties that are coming out in the draft. This year. He is that much better. When he's on the field, he's a leader. He's just, he plays very confident and he keeps his other players in line. He's like a coach on the field. Very aggressive player, very violent player. But he, you know what? He plays with that intensity that you want in your defense. He would be the guy out of everybody in the draft that I would seriously think about at 23. And when people okay. say, well, Drew, we got Harrison Smith, we got Lewis Seen, Cam Bynum, whatever, you get him at 23. Harrison Smith's only going to be here a season. Yeah. He's done. He's done. You're going to have to get a guy next year anyway. I don't know if there's going to be a safety as good as Brian Branch next year. You know, you got to build for this year. You also got to build for the future. I would seriously think about taking him at 23. If the Vikings stayed at 23, Tyler, and drafted Branch, would you be mad, upset? Because he's not a guy that really is on anybody's radar as far as mocks are going. I don't know that I've seen him mocked by anyone to the Vikings, maybe other than a couple times. Well, Ted, let me tell you about a project that I have going on at Vikings Wire, and that is the Mock Draft Roundup. I have collected, and I'm picky with my industry mock drafts. I don't just take anybody. I take people who I respect, people who I think do this relatively well, and like the big-time like national beat writers like Sam Farmer of the LA Times. Like okay. People have been around the block. So I have collected since January 1st 381 mock drafts. Brian Branch is the ninth most common mock draft player to the Vikings of those 381 really? mock drafts. 15 times he has been sent to the Minnesota Vikings. And okay. that is of 53 unique players. Now, a lot of those players have only been sent once, but the Vikings are in a really weird spot in a draft class that's honestly deepest from like 20 to 60. Okay. So when you kind of look at that, like I would love Branch, but I don't know if I would love him more than other players on the board. Like, if Quentin Johnston's on the board and they pick at 23 and don't take him, I'm going to be very upset. Johnston is my number three player in this class. I, okay. I'm in love with him. And then if a quarterback is there that's not Hendon Hooker and they don't they don't take him, like, I'll be a little annoyed at that. Like, but Will Levis? Like, so if it, Will Levis is there at 23 and the Vikings don't take him, you'd be mad? Yeah, I'd smash okay. Levis at 23. Wait, 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 wait. What? I'm not involved in Tyler's draft thing? <laughs> Why? Because I'm chopped liver? <laughs> Whatever. All right, go ahead. I would smash Levis at 23. He's got his issues. That's what she said. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you are a petulant uh, child, I swear. <laughs> um, so, but here's the thing with Levis. I compared him to Kirk Cousins that can make big boy throws, like Josh Allen throws. Because you see it on his tape. He can make Josh Allen throws like those 60-yard deep balls that just look effortless, throwing like a 15-yard out route from the far hash just with ease. He can make these just stupid arm talent throws, but the rest of his game is very similar to me of Kirk, and I can understand not wanting to trade up for him. Yeah, it kind of panics under pressure a little bit. His pressure to sack rate, you want that to be around like 15%. Look, if you get pressured, you're going to get sacked. That's just a fact of life. Will Levis's pressure to sack rate is 26%. That's a lot. Some of that has to do with he played in a really poor offense with poor scheme last year, Rich Gangrello, who was kind of known to be not that great of a coach. He also didn't have a lot of great talent around him. His offensive line was decimated after 2021. Like th There's other things to contextualize. On top of Will Levis is not great under pressure. 
it's a it's a combo. It's a little bit of everything. There are moments where he thrives, where there is he feels pressure, he senses it, but he stays in rhythm. He delivers a really nice ball down the field, and it ends up going for twenty yards. Like he can right. do those things. Okay. I think sitting for a year behind Kirk would be really good for Levis. I don't know if I'd trade up for him. I'd consider it, but if he's there at twenty three. I don't see a situation where you just don't smash and just kind of go with it. Back to safeties, Ted. I want to ask yeah. him specifically about one person before we start going through all the players. Okay. I love Quan Martin. He seems like a really versatile player. I loved his tape. What do you think about Quan Martin? I think he might fit best as a slot safety where he's doing a little bit like more of being a slot corner. But in this defense, you can do a lot of different things. You can have penny packages and three safeties. And if you had Martin, you could have Martin, Seen, and Smith all on the field at once. Hell, you could bring a fourth one and Cam Bynum. And then you could just be like, hey, we're just going to uh, F around with what you have going on in offense. Try and figure out what we're doing because we have four safeties. Like, he's the kind of player that can do a little bit of those things. He is aggressive. He's not Witherspoon aggressive, but the aggressiveness shows up on tape. I think he's a good player. But I'll be honest, outside of Branch, I'm really down on the safety class. I don't think it's very good. Sidney Brown is like an undersized linebacker. Antonio Johnson, I don't know what he is. He feels like a strong safety from 1997. I don't know how that's going to fit in today's game. Christopher Smith, athletic testing, just stunk. Same with Jordan Battle. Brandon Joseph, I thought, could be a stud. He ended up kind of looking like stinky. JL Skinner tore his peck. Like DeMarco Hellams, like he was the guy that Jalen Hyatt torched for 210 yards and five touchdowns. Like this... Safety class is just, it's not great. Real quick, going back to Quan Martin, mentioned him kind of like in a slot. I, I remember, I think it was either 2018 or 2019, I was just looking it up, Anthony Harris, they brought him onto the field and they had three safeties on the field at one time and they called it like big nickel, I think is what they called the packet. Is that kind of a role you would see for Quan Martin if the Vikings drafted him? Kind of a similar setup? Yeah, I can see that. That big nickel I know it was one of the reasons that the Vikings ended up winning the wild card game against the Saints. And honestly, it's it's the reason why Kirk Cousins has an extension right now. <laughs> because I'll tell you, if they end up firing Mike Zimmer and they bring in a new guy, they probably don't try to re-sign Kirk Cousins. But that, that's a conversation for another day. I think you're on, on to something there, Ted. I would love that guy to be Brian Branch because I okay. think you can do a lot more multiple things with him. But yeah, I, I think the big nickel makes a lot of sense. Okay, and then just tell me why Ronnie Hickman is the best safety prospect behind Brian Branch, and then I'm good. That's all. That's all I got. I'm sorry. I'm only going <laughs> to rave. Not, I, I will only rave about two Buckeyes, Chris Olave, who I will continue to say I had him as wide receiver one last year. He should have been rookie of the year. I don't care about Garrett Wilson. It was Olave, especially when you consider like just watching their film. Olave was just he was better. And then two, I love C.J. Stroud, and I know you don't, and that make I think that's funny. Yeah, a lot of people are surprised. I just, you know, Stroud reminds me a, a lot of Kirk in some ways and like the more negative things of Kirk. And not so much the last two years, but like the first three when he was in Minnesota. Yeah, like the camera would pan to Kirk when things were not going well. And Drew brought this up a lot when we were talking. He'd just be kind of on the sidelines, almost looking like he was sulking. He'd have his helmet on and not really talking to anybody and just sort of withdrawn. And Stroud gets that way. Yeah, he can make all the throws and, and he looks great. I don't dislike C.J. Stroud. I don't. I just I just don't know that he has that that it factor. I mean, he didn't really win a big game at Ohio State. He won the Rose Bowl, but they were playing with, like, 
you know, running backs as their secondaries, like Robert Tate guys from back in the ah, day. Ah, Robert Tate. Anyway, we're kind of getting off track, but yeah, I'm not a huge Stroud fan for a couple of reasons. But going back to safety, outside of Brian Branch, you guys have both said it's not a great class outside of him. You mentioned Quan Martin. Is there a guy that kind of maybe stands out as, as a later round of day three pick that the, the Vikings might be interested in, Tyler? And tell me why it would be Ronnie Hickman. It's not Ronnie Hickman. He's not very good. Uh, I'd rather have Fred Hickman. Remember that guy? I'd have Ronnie James Deal, but that's just me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, I go go ahead, though. Honestly, I think Jamie Robinson for Florida State's a very interesting player. Safety is not a position I've delved in a lot this year just because the Vikings really don't have a need, and I've had to be a little bit choosy on what positions I delve in heavily just because I have a limited base to be able to kind of just dive in and watch tape to the level of where I can really speak confidently about guys. Cause like there's a difference between watching tape for me and being able to be like, no, I really believe this, 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 and this about a guy. And sometimes it takes me three, four hours to go through a player. And then I got to write the report. Okay. What about you, Drew? You get, is there a guy, you know, branch obviously is going to go early, may or may not be a Vikings guy. Assuming it's going to be later day three. Is there a guy you're kind of liking? couple of guys I like on here, and I want to ask Tyler about them. I really okay. – I spent a lot of time on Tig Brown, <laughs> Jair Tig Brown from Penn State. I mean, look at this guy's production. In 2021, he had 73 tackles, a tackle for loss, six picks, five deflections, and a forced fumble. And I know you don't want to take too big on the defensive players and stats for the college ranks, but then 2022, 74 tackles, seven tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, four picks, three deflections, and two more forced fumbles. You know, stats don't mean everything, but that's a player that's around the football a lot to have all that stuff happen. And I like players that get around the football. You know why his name was Tig, his nickname? Why? Please tell me it's a Sons of Anarchy reference. <laughs> no, it's uh, he used to jump around on the furniture so much his mom and dad called him Tigger. From ah, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, from Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Think about Tigger. Tigger's a whatever thing. Will be doing, be doing. You know that guy. So, and he shortened it to Tig because when he got to college, he said Tigger was kind of kiddie. So, um, I really like him, and I also like Daniel Scott from Cal. I know we already have a Cal safety, but give me a quick rundown on both those guys. Daniel Scott was really impressive at the Senior Bowl. I thought he was. He showed a lot of quickness and explosion as far as attacking the football. I think that there's a lot to work with. I make fun of my buddy Devin Jackson because we were watching him down in the senior bowl. I'm like, is Daniel Scott kid's got some day one? He's like, oh, he's a he's a UDFA guy. And then by the end of the senior bowl, he's like, oh, right, like round five, round six. I'm like, sorry, Devin. He's a UDFA. He's a UDFA. And I just keep giving him crap for it because now he just keeps hyping him up. I think that there's something there. I don't know if he's ever going to evolve past uh, being like a core special teamer. But if you get a core special teamer in round six, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like you can't put too high of expectations. I think like a fourth round pick should be competing for a starting spot in like year three, year four. That's what you should expect from those guys. I think like where DJ Wanham is at, he's competing for like a starting spot on some rosters. Like that's the level of guy that you should expect in round four. Round three should be just a little bit better than that. And round two, you should be starting by year two, hopefully. Round one, you would ideally like him to start right away. But Round six, you get a core special teamer for four years with the potential to maybe be something else. I think that's a win. Brown, I, I'll be honest, super productive, looked explosive on tape, didn't test that way at all. What is he? Is he an explosive athlete? Is he not? I genuinely haven't been able to contextualize it. And would I take a chance on round five? Yeah. But he might fit into what Brian Flores likes with him. 
what he yeah. could bring to his defense. Because I'm telling you, the production that guy had is and it's Penn's, it's a uh, Big Ten. It's not a hack hack league except for Rutgers. <laughs> He's pretty fast though. I like that guy. He retested at his pro day. I mean, his 10-yard splits in the 82nd percentile, his jumps compared to what you saw in film, just they don't make a lot of sense. Like 84th percentile vertical, 79th percentile broad. But his 40 was a 4.58. Like He looks way faster than he tested. So I haven't figured out how I'm contextualizing that. That's a difficult one for me. But if he's there in round five, yeah, I'd, I'd take the shot. Okay, okay. Thanks for the breakdown on those guys. I appreciate it. All righty, so that's cornerback and safety. Drew, And you wanted to talk about just kind of the summary. So, Tyler, where do you think the Vikings secondary sits right now? They had a terrible defense, and they lost Duke Shelley. They lost Patrick Peterson. I know I'm missing one or two others. Dantzler? Yeah, Cam Dantzler. There there you go, who's now with the Washington Commanders. They brought in some new guys. They got Byron Murphy. They got Jawan Williams. Uh, Caleb Evans should be coming back from injury. Andrew Booth Jr. should be coming back from injury. You got Lewis Seen and Harrison Smith coming back as safeties and Cam Bynum. Where do you see this Vikings secondary at right now? Getting younger and faster. The nice part about Harrison Smith, he, I mean, you can tell he's kind of starting to lose that step, but he's so smart, it hasn't really made a big difference. But getting a Lewis Seen, who's incredibly explosive, that quick trigger downhill. Andrew Booth Jr. is a very similar light. And then a Caleb Evans, he's got that ability to just be super sticky and be physical on the outside. Like I think they're trying to they're trying to completely reshape this defense based on uh, physicality and quickness and speed. And I think that they're they're really showing the willingness to do that. Next year, you're going to have Harrison Smith and Josh Metellus as free agents in the safety room. You're going to have a Joan Williams as a free agent in the corner room. They're trying to just build this room essentially from the ground up. They're trying to completely change what this defense was from the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman era. Is it going to work? I don't know, but I don't think they need to necessarily prioritize defensive back in this draft. If they take one, it's going to be because the talent's too good. That's kind of like early. They need bodies at corner, but they don't need a lot of talent at corner because they have talent. They're going to rely on a Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr., and Byron Murphy to be their guys. Do you need to bring in another guy? That's the question. Why not have your depth guy be talented, too? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't have to prioritize in getting a super high pick at the position and getting a, a high-end talent. You don't want to say no to a talented player, but I, don't, I think you can survive with a fourth-round pick at corner in this draft instead of a first-round pick at corner. Why, why have the Vikings had such a hard time drafting corners? Because the team tried to move to Birmingham twice in the 90s. It's their fault. <laughs> like Hughes was a great idea, but I think the ACL just screwed him. Because he was playing well, and Zimmer trusted him early on to play. And that's not something he would do with a lot of rookies. Gladney, like, you can't contextualize that. Stuff happened. He ended up being exonerated for it. And then he passed away tragically. I still think that if, if things would have been a, in a better position for Gladney he would have been a really good corner in this league. I loved him coming out of TCU, but we'll just never know because he only lasted one season in purple. He's going to be classified as a bust, but I can't call him that. How did you grade the secondary in 2022? I think I gave him like a C minus maybe. Okay. That high, really? Here's the thing. They did well for what they were asked to do. They were put in shitty situations. That's fair. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Cornerbacks, I gave a C plus. Safeties, I gave a C. Like, they were just 
put in bad spots and it's not necessarily their fault. They weren't necessarily bad themselves. They were put in positions where they just, they couldn't succeed. And that's quite frankly, unfortunate because the defensive coordinator is supposed to put them in good spots. Give me a grade this year. I hope that they can turn. No, not hope. Speed. Not hope, Tyler. You tell me what it's going to be. <laughs> F. It's going to be an F. No, um, I, I think it'll end up being, I'll probably end up giving him a B minus or a B. Improvement is improvement. I like it. All right. So that'll about do it for the positional analysis. And since we had a guest tonight, we're not going to be doing trivia. So that'll pretty much wrap up episode 98. Again, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for liking. Thanks for doing all that. Tyler, before we get you out of here, Tell us where we can find you. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us what you got coming on the horizon, all that good stuff. Well, I just want to point out it's episode 98, and 25 years ago to the day of the time of this recording, the Vikings drafted Randy Moss on April 18th, 1998. That's right. You can find me on Twitter, as it says on the screen, at The Real Forno. I am the managing editor of Vikings Wire, and I do do all my draft stuff over there. Honestly, it's it's a lot of fun. I get to sit and, and talk about football for a living and like if i could go back and tell my 10 year old self that he'd be absolutely thrilled i also do some feature writing for uh zone coverage the local uh blog site yeah, here in the twin cities just more feature stuff because the vikings wire i can do features whenever i want i am a college football betting analyst for fantasy points um nothing's going on there right now and then i have the real forno show on the vikings first in school youtube channel and also on podcasts, so you can search your favorite aggregator for that. Wednesday night, I had Brett Coleman on the show, and we're just going to sit around and talk football. Brett Coleman hosted the Film Room on YouTube. He now works for the Chargers in the NFL doing film content for them. He's like the YouTube version of Don Madden, where he can just explain things in excruciating detail while not making anybody feel dumb and making everybody feel smarter. He just kind of has that way about him. And then if you love all elite wrestling, I host the good, the bad, and the hungy on the Voice of Wrestling podcasting network. And we just talk all elite wrestling. And like my life is really busy. I've got some things coming up with Score North that you'll want to pay attention to. I can't quite release it right now what that is because I don't know when the first episode's coming. It'll either have happened or it's coming right before the draft. It's going to be a really fun concept, something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And it's coming to fruition. I'm really excited about it. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for watching. Ruby, thanks so much for everything you do to make this show possible because it wouldn't happen without you. Drew, thanks for being a great co-host and dropping this weekly knowledge and all these different position groups. I really appreciate the hard work you put into this every year. This wraps up another year of, of all these position groups. And so, buddy, why don't you take us home and we'll try to do better the next time. Great show. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, I love about Tyler is he loves football. It's his hair. I love his hair. Well, besides the hair. It's, it's... <laughs> Honestly, I've met, you know, I've asked this question my whole life. I used to sit and when I was five years old, drawing plays out. My mom would mail them to Bud Grant. That, I love football. <laughs> okay. So this would have been when I was in fifth grade. I wrote out a bunch of like trick plays on like notebook paper and I mailed it to the Vikings and I got sent an autographed picture which I still have. It was a team photo. I think it's Gary Anderson, Jeff George. That's cool. Randall Cunningham, Dante Culpepper. It was like the first set of numbers. That was really cool. Then my brother sent one because he saw I did it. So he wanted to do it too. And they sent him just a letter and he cried. (laughs) And 
then my mom sent uh, one to the team and they got one special signed for him. And I think that one had Chris Carter. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right, Drew, get us out of here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really great going over the, the corners and safeties tonight. I had a good time. Thank you, Tyler. And uh, say good night, Ted. Say good night, Tyler. Good night, Ted. Good night, Tyler. <laughs> Four no. This dog has an atomic ass, I swear. <laughs>